Now, tonight I'm preaching on what I call goals for godly women, and tomorrow night I'm preaching on to love as Christ loved. And again, I hope you'll be back. Sometimes I preach on the ladies and preach about the whole subject of submission, and it's always interesting when I do that because I'll often say, you know, that ladies, you ought to be submitted to the headship of your husband and all that that entails, and and then I'll challenge the men, you know, to, to come back the next night. And usually on the way out, some man will say something like, uh, I probably won't be here tomorrow night. And after just preaching on submission, his wife will be right behind him. She'll say, he'll be here. <laughs> I'll get a kick out of that. Kind of like, I wonder if she got it. So. We'll be looking at a number of scriptures tonight. I want you to begin by opening your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. I want to read just verse 4 before we pray together. Verse 4, we are lifting for the moment out of its context, but we will explain it in context. It says, But let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you tonight for marriage. We thank you that you ordained it and that you tell us in the Scriptures how we are supposed to live as husbands and wives. And I pray that you would help us over these couple of evenings to explore your word and to see certain aspects of marriage and the marriage relationship. And I pray you would help us, Lord, to receive these things as from you, that we might put your word into practice, that our marriages and our homes could be all that you intend them to be. Lord, we'll thank you for that. We want homes where Christ is truly honored and where young people can see Christ magnified in the lives of their parents. And we pray that you would develop within us a conviction that we might be desirous to give very careful adherence to your word, to believe it, to obey it, and we'll thank you. We pray and ask now in Jesus' name, amen. I titled this message, Goals for Godly Women, understanding from the Scriptures that to be godly for anybody means to give God his rightful place. And ladies, if you are here tonight, understand that if you are giving God his rightful place in your life, then that means if you are a married lady, that you have also come to grips with the biblical teaching on submission to the headship of your husband. The Bible teaches that in Ephesians chapter 5 and 1 Peter chapter 3 and a number of other places. And I would challenge you to seek to come to grips with that truth. And I wish we had time this week to explore that and to, to challenge you with that truth in a scriptural context because that is God's plan. Now listen, very simply, God never equipped a lady to be the head of a home. God equipped the man to be the head of the home. And I realize that sometimes men are irresponsible. 
Sometimes men don't want to take that responsibility, but God has given it to them. And a lady will find her greatest peace and joy and blessing of God under the headship of that man. Now that is God's word. I don't care what the world says about it today. And the world is so rapidly going the wrong direction and they act as if they've found some new way, but, but uh, their problems are multiplying and multiplying and multiplying. And if you and I want the blessing of God, we'll say, what does the Bible say? And put it into practice. Now, I'm going to preach to the ladies tonight, assuming that you as a Christian lady here tonight could say to me, Brother Griffith, I understand that truth, and at least to the best of my ability and by the grace of God, I am submitted to the headship of my husband. I recognize that God wants to lead our home through my husband. With that basic truth established, I want to talk about some other things that perhaps can build on that truth once that has been dealt with. So there are three things that I would suggest to you tonight as goals for the godly woman. And the first goal is simply to establish a good personal testimony. And I hope you as a lady tonight could say, and that others could say about you, that you have a good testimony personally for Christ outside of what you may do as a wife or outside of what you might do as a mom, but just you as a Christian lady, your testimony for Christ, I hope it is good and solid. Notice, if you will, right here in verse 4 of 1 Peter chapter 3. There has been a discussion going on by Peter, and the discussion has been that the Christian lady should not be known by her outward appearance. And that is brought out in verse 3 where it says that her adorning should not be the plaiting of hair or the wearing of gold or the putting on of apparel. It does not say that a lady cannot take care of her hair. It does not say the lady cannot wear jewelry. Obviously, it doesn't say that, or it would be saying a lady cannot wear clothes. That's not what it's saying, but it is saying this, that should not be what marks you as a lady. That should not be the thing by which you are known as a lady. You should not be a lady known by your hair, known by your jewelry, or known by your clothes. The next verse tells us what it is that should mark your testimony. And verse 4 puts it this way. But let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. Is your life marked by a meek and quiet spirit? Now recognize that the spirit is within you. That is equated sometimes in scripture to the heart. We alluded to that last night as the deepest part of your being. As a Christian lady, you should have a meek spirit and you should have a quiet spirit. Now that's inside but the meekness and quietness of spirit should manifest itself outwardly. The meek spirit says basically this, that as a gentle person, I don't always have to have things my way. I can yield to the Lord and I can yield to others around me because there is a meekness that marks my person. And by the same token, a quiet spirit that says this, I recognize my husband is the head of the home. He will not always do things I agree with. But inside of me there is a quietness because I know that God has appointed him to be the head of our home. 
Now, sometimes ladies respond to a verse like this, and I've heard them say things like this, Brother Griffith, you know, I'm not that kind of lady. I'm not one of those meek and quiet spirit ladies. I have one lady say to me, you know, I'm not like that. I, I have a bubbly personality. Listen, this is not talking about your personality. You can have a bubbly personality. You can be a happy person. You can be a joyous person. You can be a, a talkative person. You can be whatever it is. This is not talking about what you are outwardly in terms of personality. It is what you are inwardly. And inwardly, you are crying out to God to give you a meekness and quietness of spirit. Is that you? Every Christian lady should beg God to work within her to give her that quietness and gentleness within. That's part of the testimony of a Christian lady. Look with me at some other verses. Go back to the book of Proverbs, will you please? To Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 14. The Bible would call for prudence as a part of the testimony of a Christian lady. It says in Proverbs 19 and verse 14, House and riches are the inheritance of fathers, and a prudent wife is from the Lord. What's it mean to be prudent? The term conveys the idea of being wise, insightful, intelligent. Sometimes I try to get us men to think about this truth. God saw when he created the man that it was not good for the man to be alone. So he did something about it. The Bible says he took of the side of that man and formed the woman as a helper for the man. And sometimes I'll say to men who sometimes are headstrong and just off doing their own thing, not caring much about their wife, her views, her opinions, her thoughts, I say, sir, don't you realize that if God saw that you needed a helper, that you ought to receive the help. And sir, you need help. A wife has a different perspective than a man. A wife sees things differently. A wife has a different level of understanding. And if you are going to be a good leader for your home, realize God gave you a helper and she should be able to counsel and advise and give you thoughts. You have to make the ultimate decision, but God gave her to you as the helper. Now when I think about the lady being a prudent person, here's what I want to say to the ladies tonight. If your husband turns to you for help, then you ought to be ready to give it. In other words, you ought to be able to give a wise perspective. You ought to be able to give that which has been thought out. You ought to be able to give something that is in harmony with the Word of God. You ought to be able to give him something to think about. Sometimes men tease about, uh, you know, that uh, blonde airhead type woman. The men know who that is, right? Ladies, you know those kind? You don't want to be one of those. You don't want to be that. The Christian wife is supposed to be somebody who has gained wisdom and insight from the Word of God. So when your husband comes to you and says, Honey, I have a problem. What do you think? 
that you have something beyond simply an emotional reaction to give, but you can give biblical perspective and thoughtful insight. Now, that should be you as a Christian lady. Look at Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 22. This is an interesting verse talking about the testimony of a woman. Proverbs 11:22 says this, as a jewel of gold in a swine's snout, so is a fair woman which is without discretion. How many of you have ever had the privilege of being on a pig farm? Raise your hand. You ever been on a pig farm? You ever looked at a pig up close? I honestly believe pigs are about the ugliest animals there are. I really believe that. My son-in-law had a pig farm for a while, and once in a while I'd go up there, and he'd ask me to help him moving them around and all that kind of stuff. And I want to tell you, pigs are ugly animals. Now, God's trying to give a, a truth here, and here's what he says. He says, as a jewel of gold in a swine's snout. In other words, here's what he's getting at. He's saying, look at that pig. Look at that old sow. Now he says, I want you to get a nice big jewel of gold, and I want you to stick that jewel of gold right in that old sow's nose. And then take another look at her. Did it help? <laughs> and the answer is no. Didn't help one bit. <laughs> that old girl's just as ugly as ever. Now, there's a point to that, and here it is. So is a fair woman which is without discretion. His point is this. Just as that jewel of gold doesn't help that old sow, so a woman could be physically the most beautiful thing in the world, just like that jewel of gold. But if you attach that beauty to that lady and there's no discretion, then that beauty of hers doesn't do her one bit of good. What's it mean to be a woman of discretion? What's it mean to be discreet? Well, it means that you have good taste, good sense, good judgment. Good taste in the way you act. Good sense and taste in the way you dress. Good sense and taste in the way you appear. Good sense and taste in the way you talk. You know how to dress in certain occasions. You know how to act in certain occasions. You are a woman marked by discretion. And the Bible says again, you could be the most beautiful woman in the world, but if you are not discreet, if you don't exercise good sense, good taste, good judgment, your beauty means nothing. And so your personal testimony ought to be just that. I want to be a woman with a meek and quiet spirit. I want to be a woman who is marked by prudence. I want to be a woman who is marked by discretion. One other verse, still here in Proverbs 11, just back to verse 16. 
Verse 16 says, A gracious woman retaineth honor. Now the issue under discussion in that little verse is basically this. Who is the woman that retains honor? Now the term honor is a term that literally means weight. And the term is used in this sense. You've, you've been in a setting perhaps, a business setting or wherever, and somebody will make a comment about another person. And they'll say something like this. Now listen, that guy carries a lot of weight around here. You know what that means? That means that person is respected. That person's opinion is valued. That person carries a lot of weight. That person is held in honor. That person is held in esteem. Now the verse says basically this, who is the woman that is held in honor? Who is the woman who is held in esteem? And the verse puts it this way, a gracious woman retains her honor. What's it mean to be gracious? It's a very simple term. It means to be pleasant. It means to be kind. It means to be gentle. Is that the kind of lady you are? Anytime I come to this verse, I think of a lady from my past, years ago in ministry. She had the right standards. She always dressed appropriately. I mean, she, she had high standards. She always did everything right. But you know something? Nobody liked her. Nobody held her in esteem. You know why? Because she's an old grump. She's just a grumpy old lady. She wasn't that old, but she was grumpy. <laughs> and even though she believed right, uh, her music tastes were perfect, her appearance was always right. I mean, she was just right in every way. But the kids didn't like her. And the adults didn't like her. Because she wasn't a gracious lady. She never had a nice word, never had a sweet word. Wasn't very pleasant. She's the kind of person, you know, you'd walk all the way around the other side of the church to stay away from her. You understand that as a Christian lady, you want to have a great testimony. And that should be a goal for you. You say, I want to have a testimony that draws other people to Christ, draws my own children to Christ, draws others who might come in from outside to Christ, draws the neighbors to Christ. How do you do that? What kind of a lady is it that God wants the Christian lady to be? Listen to it again. Meek and quiet spirit, prudent, discreet, and gracious. Is that you? Is that you? Should be. That's the lady God wants you to be. There's a second goal. The second goal is one that I think very few ladies think enough about today, and that is not only to establish a good personal testimony, but listen, to enhance the image of your husband. Turn with me, if you will, to Proverbs chapter 12 just a page away from where we've been. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 4. The statement is this, A virtuous woman is a crown to her husband, but she that maketh ashamed 
is as rottenness in his bones. The virtuous woman. The term virtue speaks of, of strength, speaks of character, uh, speaks of virtue. And the virtuous woman, it says, interestingly enough, listen, is a crown to her husband. Now, in our society, we don't see very many people with crowns, do we? I mean, you don't go down to Nashville and see somebody riding by with a crown on their head. If you did, you'd wonder who they were, where they came from, what they're doing here. We don't know much about crowns in our society. But if you went to another society where there was a king or queen or somebody who wore a crown and you saw somebody with a crown, your attention would immediately be drawn to that person and you'd say, man, that must be somebody important. That must be somebody who is honorable. That must be somebody who is, is worthy of respect because they're wearing the crown. Now, the Bible, written as an Oriental book, an Eastern book, not a Western book, the Bible takes this and says, now, ladies, would you think about this? The virtuous woman is a crown to her husband. In other words, people are going to look at a lady, listen, they're going to look at a lady, and on the basis of what this lady is like, they will form an opinion of her husband. They will either hold him in respect or perhaps hold him in disrespect based on his wife. You'll remember the statement in Proverbs 31 about the virtuous woman. Verse 23 says, Her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. And if you read through that whole passage, listen, he is known... He is known not because of what he is. He is known because of what she is. He is known by the way she lives. He is known by the way she acts. He is held in honor because of her. Now, ladies, you might be sitting here tonight, and I don't know what your relationship is with your husband, but your attitude might be, well, what do I care what people think about him? Well, the Bible says you ought to care. Because a part of your obligation is to enhance the image of your husband. Think with me of 1 Timothy chapter 3 where there are requirements given for a deacon. It's interesting that when the Bible addresses who can be a deacon, do you know the first thing it talks about? It talks about the deacon's wife. In other words, it says this man cannot be a deacon simply based on his own character and testimony. We take a look at his wife and she is supposed to be a grave woman. She's not supposed to be a slanderer. She is supposed to be faithful. And if she is not the right kind of woman, then he cannot serve as a deacon. Understand tonight as a Christian wife that you have great responsibility toward your husband. God says so. Now this text, Proverbs 12, goes on and says in verse 4 this, but she that maketh ashamed, she who is a disappointment, is as rottenness in his bones. Now, I want to ask you ladies this. I want to ask it in the right way. Is your husband proud to have you by his side? I want you to think about that. And if it doesn't matter to you, it ought to. Is he proud and pleased and delighted to have you by his side? 
by the way or because of the way you treat him, because of the way you talk to him, because of the way you talk about him, because of how you act in public when you are with him? Are you a crown to him? Or are you as rottenness in his bones? Interesting challenge. You know, the world recognizes the value of a good wife, sometimes far more than we as God's people. I think of one of our relatives, a brother-in-law to me, who has climbed up high in the corporate world. And it's interesting that as he got high into the corporate world, when he would be being considered for a position, you know what they would require? They would require that his wife would come and be interviewed. They wanted to see if she was the kind of lady who would enhance him in his position, and that's in the world. Don't you think we as God's people ought to understand that relationship? The Bible teaches the wife in Ephesians 5.33, listen, that she is to reverence her husband or fear her husband. Now that term is very similar to the term in the Scripture, the fear of the Lord. It doesn't mean that she goes through life terrorized by the presence of her husband. But the heart of the challenge of fearing the Lord is this, the desire to please God. If you fear the Lord, your life will be marked with a desire to please God. And if you as a Christian wife will get serious about reverencing your husband, don't write that word off, but if you'll get serious about that, then you'll understand that a part of that is this, you will desire to please your husband. Do you? Do you? Does it matter to you? whether you please him. Now, he has obligations to you, and we'll talk about them tomorrow night. And God has a marvelous way of always bringing into balance the obligation of the woman and the obligation of the man. So you need to come back tomorrow night to see the balance. But do you understand God tells you as a Christian wife, you should desire to please that man? There's a third thing I want to talk about tonight. And the third challenge is to encourage a good atmosphere in your home. What's your home like? Turn with me, if you will, to Proverbs 14. Again, you might be there if you haven't turned from reference to reference. But in Proverbs 14 and verse 1, it says this. Every wise woman buildeth her house, but the foolish plucketh it down with her hands. What's a wise woman? What's a wise person? A wise person is somebody who sees something in its clearest light. And a wise woman, a woman who really understands what life is all about, a woman who really understands what marriage and family is all about devotes herself to what is described here as the building of her house. Now, obviously, that's not physical building, but it's the building up of home. It's the building up of family. It is the building up of family life. 
Your challenge as a woman is to encourage a good atmosphere at your home. The man's obligation is to be the leader, to set the direction of the family, to establish the standards, to say, here's where our family is going. It's men who ought to say, we are going to church, we will serve God. Men who ought to be doing those kinds of things. But you as a Christian woman ought to look at your home and realize, now this is my domain. This is my area. This is the area that God has called me to be very much involved in. And you should take that as a challenge that God gives you. And you want to make your home the greatest place in the world. I want to ask you something. Think about it. Do your kids like to come home? Do they like to come home? Does your husband like to come home? Does he want to come home? We live in a day when too often kids are just looking for every chance to get out of the house, to run, to go here, go to somebody else's house, be out as late as they can. We have men today who don't want to come home. They want to, you know, go down as soon as they walk in the door, head right out the back door, down to the shop or down to the basement or, or off to some other activity. Listen, does your family want to come home? Because that is your responsibility as a woman, to build the atmosphere of the home. What's involved with it? Well, I remember a little saying that I saw on a plaque at a Cracker Barrel restaurant. You ever been to Cracker Barrel? You ever been there? That's a good place to eat, isn't it? You've probably seen this one. And if you haven't, just tuck it away. Here's what it says. If mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. <laughs> you ever seen that? Is it true? I want to tell you it's true, ladies. Now, you see, if your husband's not happy, well... He can go down the basement if he wants to. He can head to the shop if he wants to. But if you are not happy, then I want to tell you something. There is a cloud over the home. If you're not happy, nobody's happy. And I challenge you to think in terms of this statement. Every wise woman buildeth her house. She builds up the household. She establishes the atmosphere. Now, how do you do that? How do you establish in your home a warm, receptive atmosphere so that your kids and your husband and other people love to come to your house? How do you do that? Well, number one, you do it by your attitude, by your spirit. You need to seek to be a happy, warm person. Some of you, I'm not that kind of person. Become that kind of person. You ought to make sure that your house is well decorated. And ladies usually are good at that. Just simple things, the plaques and the pictures and the candles and the whatever it is all over the place. So when you walk in, boy, you just, boy, what a warm home. It is seldom that people come into our home that they don't make a comment about the way Trisha has it decorated. They always say something like, you have such a warm home, because she does. And she keeps it warm by playing the right kind of music. Music is of God. It is a delight to listen to, and our home is always filled with good, warm, godly music. And you ought to look at your home and realize, this is my domain. How do I make it so my kids want to be here? How do I make it so my husband really wants to be here? I want you to look at a particular challenge in the Scriptures. 
I want you to see it in Proverbs 19 and verse 13. As you're turning there, realize there are some challenges in the Scripture that are given with emphasis for men. There are other challenges in the Scripture that are given with emphasis for women. And God knows what He's doing when He gives challenges in a particular direction. And when He challenges a man with an area, it's because men need to give attention to that. When He challenges women with an area, it's because He knows women need to give attention to that. So here in Proverbs 19, I want you to see what it says. Verse 13 says, A foolish son is the calamity of his father. Now look. And the contentions of a wife are a continual dropping. See that? The contentions of a wife are a continual dropping. Now, if you don't know exactly what that means, turn over to Proverbs 27 and verse 15. Proverbs 27 and verse 15 says, A continual dropping in a very rainy day and a contentious woman are alike. You like rain? I like rain. I like rain from about midnight till five in the morning. And from then on, I like sunshine. There's nothing more miserable than a rainy day. How'd you feel about yesterday? What a day. Yuck. Rain all day long, all day long. You, you don't want to go out. You don't want to do anything. It just contributes to making you miserable. Now, ladies, I want to tell you something. Here's what the Bible says. A continual dropping in a very rainy day and a contentious woman are alike. Did you know the Bible says very little about a contentious man? but it speaks often about a contentious woman. A woman who is always, in a sense, creating tension. Let me show you to you a couple of other places before we expand on it. Look at Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 9. Proverbs 21 and verse 9 says this, it is better to dwell in a corner of the housetop. Do you have attics down here in your houses? You know what an attic is? Okay, up north we have, you know, you got the basement, you got the first floor, you got the second floor, and then you got that attic where nobody goes. That's where you store stuff. You know, that's where it's really hot in the summer and really cold in the winter. It is really a crummy place. Well, the writer puts it this way, it is better to dwell in a corner of the housetop. I'd rather live in the attic than with a brawling woman in a wide house. And that term brawling means a contentious, fighting, arguing woman. He said, I'd rather live up in the corner of the house than to live in a mansion, a wide house, with a woman who's just always creating tension. He expresses it just a little bit further, just over across the page in verse 19. In fact, it's like he wrote it in verse 9. He wrote a few more and said, I think I better hit this one more time. 
And so in verse 19, it, I'd like to read it like this. In fact, that's mine. It is better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and an angry woman. You ever been to Israel? Let me tell you about the wilderness. There's nothing. It's just rock. Animals don't want to be there. Things don't grow there. It's just old rocky hillsides. And this writer says, you know something? I'd rather be out in the wilderness with nothing to eat, nothing. I'd rather be out there than with a brawling, angry, contentious woman, a woman who is always creating tension. Now, I know this, and I, I would tell men this. I try to tell myself that. Sir, when you come home, understand that you are coming home to what really matters in life. You are coming home to your family. You are coming home to minister to your wife. You are coming home to minister to your children. And you need to somehow put the pressures of the day aside and walk in the house ready to minister to your family. At the same time, the challenge of the Scripture is this. Ma'am, do you realize that men don't need continual tension in their home? They don't need to constantly be having conflict and argument and problems and strife and trouble. Now, God gives that warning to a lady for a reason, and he gives it over and over and over again. And what he says to the woman is, look, if you are wise, you will see to building your household it is the foolish woman who plucks it down. And so when your husband comes home at the end of the day, does he want to walk in the door? Does he get out of the car and start up the walkway thinking, oh, brother, I wonder what's going to hit me today. I wonder what she's going to say today. I wonder what the problem is today. Or does he say, man, it is so good to be home. So good to be home. And he walks in and finds a warm and receiving atmosphere. And his attitude is, why should I want to go out? I'm home. But ladies, the simple truth is that sometimes gals are never satisfied. Sometimes they always find things to pick at. Nothing is ever quite good enough. And there's just tension, tension, tension all the time. And it's common, I know, from experience, and it's common, I know, from what the Bible says. And I want to challenge you to think about your home and determine that you are going to make that the most warm and receiving place possible for your children and for your husband. So that if kids of the church want to go somewhere, it's your house they want to go to. You ever hear kids talk about, oh, we don't want to go there, we don't want to go there. Well, we'd like to go over to their house. It's so nice over there, it's so great over there. That ought to be your house. That ought to be your house. Your place ought to be the place where people want to come. Your house ought to be a place where your husband just loves to come. Because he knows when he walks in the door, he's going to be lovingly received and there's not going to be turmoil and tension and problems through the night. Now, you know, these things that we've talked about tonight are simple things. There is nothing profound about them. There's, there's nothing deep theologically about them. These are things that meet you every day right where you live. Right where you live. But listen, 
I'm glad, aren't you glad that God, who tells us about the deep and profound things, also tells us about the simple day-to-day -day experience of life? And he's trying to say to ladies, and we'll, again, tomorrow night we'll see some things he says to men, but he's trying to say to ladies, listen, you ought to seek to be a godly testimony for Christ. Just that simple. The way you act, the way you talk, the way you live, the way you appear, people ought to look at you and therein see a lovely testimony for Christ. And then in a day that cares little about marriage, you ought to look at your husband and realize God created you to be his helper, to be there for him, to enhance his image, to desire to please him, to seek to make things nice for him. That's what God tells you to do. By the way, that's why the Bible expresses, as Paul writes to Titus, that a lady ought to be, listen, a keeper at home. A keeper at home. Don't sell short being a homemaker. It's the most wonderful privilege that God could ever give to a lady. And every lady ought to strive for it and long for it. We live in a strange day, folks. I'm going to get off on a tangent, sorry. We live in a strange day, listen, when even parents do not instruct their girls that the greatest thing that could have happened to them is to marry a man where they can stay home and be a wife and be a mom. It's the greatest thing that could have happened to you. In fact, we have gotten this crazy idea, and this is the tangent, we have gotten this crazy idea that not only should we ship all of our young men off to college, but we should also ship all of our girls off to college. And somebody says, well, why do we do that? And here's what I've had dads tell me. Well, you know, I want her to get a degree just in case she gets married and her husband dies young, she'll have something to fall back on. Well, personally, I think that's a ridiculous way to plan. And I think if a young lady wants to go to college, and bless your heart, mom and dad, you want to send her off to college, do it, I suppose, but would you instruct her that the greatest privilege she could have would to be a wife and a mom? I didn't get many amens, but I want to tell you something. That is it. And parents ought to encourage their kids that way. A keeper at home. And a lady ought to look at that and say, what a privilege. And in the context of that, she should set her goals to be the right kind of woman, enhance the image of her husband, build the atmosphere of that home, that in the context of that home, her children might grow up to come to know the Lord, love the Lord, serve the Lord, and then in that family, as a family, serve Christ. Now, the world is all out of whack. Today, 70% of all women go off to work. 60% of all married women go off to work. And very seldom is it really out of necessity. It is because we want the extras and we are sacrificing home. And we need to help ladies to understand that home is of utmost importance. What are your goals anyway? As a lady, if I sat down with you or somebody sat down with you and said, well, what are your goals? What are you aiming for? What are you trying to accomplish? What is important to you?
Do you have any? Would you come back to this Bible and search it? We certainly haven't exhausted it tonight. Would you come back to this Bible and search it and say, what does God say I should be aiming for as a lady? What does God say are the things that are important? And are the things that God counts important what you count important? We live in a world that doesn't think right and we have followed along their twisted thinking and have removed ourselves from this book.